Welcome to the Dildork Storky Discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I have a protocol that involves writing monthly love letters because I'm a fucking romantic sap. Who are you, friend? <laughs> I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and a sex blogger and, like, seriously a creature of habit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. I think that this is a great deal of why we are so good as friends, is that we... Yeah both enjoy rituals and traditions and routines and we both don't find them boring they're like comforting yeah yeah Yeah, they're super important to me i like don't fuck with my routine (laughs) and it like it took me a while to realize that because i think that kind of nature is associated with being boring a lot yeah which like not even to sound conceited but if you ask most of the people in my life, I'm one of the more interesting people they know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I get ranked up there pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how, like, you can have a life that is so interesting in its big picture ways, but, like, on a minute level, you can do it in this really ritualized way. Like, I go to the same cafe to edit this show every week, and I have a different cafe that I go to when I'm working on an article, and I'm just, like, very, very, like, structured in the way that I do these things which part of it is because I work from home so like I have to provide my own structure but um yeah my life is wacky but it is also very very like steady in a way yeah the wackiness is controlled yes I love that controlled wackiness (laughs) that's all I want from life (laughs) that's our new spinoff podcast (laughs) it's all just like earth signs talking about their adventures (laughs) I love it. Okay, so we got an email from uh, a listener fairly recently, and they were like, hey, can you guys do a show about ritual? And they didn't say any other details, and I was immediately like, I fucking love rituals, but I do <laughs> I want to know more. I saw the email. <laughs> I saw the email and was like, I was grocery shopping, and I saw the email, and I was like, oh, yes, absolutely. I'll text Kate about that when we get home. (laughs) And then I made it to the line and picked up my phone again and saw you had emailed them, and they had emailed back already. (laughs) And I was like, great, so we're doing this. (laughs) Fantastic. Right. Well, so I knew what that meant to me when I heard it, but I wasn't quite sure what they Mm -hmm. meant, so I wrote them back and I asked them for clarification, and they gave me all these great questions and jumping-off points um, about ritual and service and ritual and protocol and um ritual basically as it pertains to kink and relationships and i was like we are all about this shit we will absolutely do an episode about this yeah yeah (laughs) okay so can you try to define what the difference is for you between protocol and ritual i think so they feel very distinctly different to me Mm -hmm. uh And it wasn't until I started talking that I realized I didn't actually know how to articulate that. (laughs) But I think for me, ritual is more about what you're doing and the weight of what that holds. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's about the action and the meaning behind the action. Whereas protocol for me is more Mm -hmm. about the meaning behind the relationship. Uh, It's, it only exists in relationship to someone else, at least for me. Um, And it's, yes, the things I'm doing are important, but what's more important is the reason being this relationship to another person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they they might look the same, but I have a lot of rituals that I go through alone and rituals that hold meaning to me in just what they're doing. And I can bring people into those, but it's it's what I'm doing that really matters. Whereas protocol can be important to me. There are ones that work better for me than others, but what's Mm -hmm. important to me about that is the person. Yeah, I agree. You actually said exactly what I was going to say, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) Well, but yeah, I think a lot of times uh, when I think of my own rituals within relationships or within kink contexts, a lot of the things that I would consider a ritual are things that I'm doing for myself, like to create a certain type of headspace. Like I think of um, taking a really long time to get ready before a Tinder date and like going through that process of choosing the outfit and listening to music and putting on perfume and all of these things. And um, that's a ritual to get myself in a certain type of headspace. And it doesn't really matter that I uh, am connecting it to a different person. I may or may not be. Um, And protocol, uh, we talked a lot about protocol in our episode where we had Sinclair Sexsmith on. So if you're interested in protocol, Mm -hmm. I would go listen to that. But 
it's often defined as like a if x then y kind of rule for a kink dynamic where like a particular action on the part of one part of one person will trigger a certain action from the other one so like for example one of my protocols is every time i take my daily iron pill because i'm anemic i text my partner who is my dom and tell him that i did that and then he sends me a selfie as a reward so a lot of times they're sort of kink rituals um, with the intention of deepening a dynamic or uh, making you more present in a dynamic or um, just like connecting you to a partner. Yeah, and they're not mutually exclusive, like taking your iron yeah. pill is good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are ways that rituals can be important to me in relationship to other people as well. Because mm-hmm. ritual is very similar to tradition for me, I think more so than it would be to protocol. Um, mm-hmm. And ritual in the way it manifests in like family and friendships and, that's what, and holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are all based in relationship but it's also centered very much around what we're doing. Yeah, for me, a lot of times my enjoyment in traditions and rituals is because of a sense of nostalgia over past times I've done them. Like, they manage to conjure Mm -hmm. a feeling that reminds me of a previous time that I've done this. Like, the one I was talking about with getting ready for a date, like, it really brings me back to times in high school when I was getting ready for dates, and, like, I really had that very innocent excitement about how the date was going to go which is a helpful ritual when I'm trying to get ready for a date now because like I'm much more blasé like it's much harder for me to get excited about stuff like that (laughs) so so it's good to be able to put myself in that headspace yeah so how do you collaborate with a partner to decide on protocols or rituals that you do together that work for you both I think I mean in the past I've tripped and fallen into a couple um Mm -hmm. where it's like this is fun let's just keep doing this thing i guess um but i think planning them with more intention generally for me looks like sitting down and talking about why you even want protocol and what you want to get out of it Mm -hmm. um and then talking about ways in which you can integrate it into your life the way it already is yeah Um, things that you already kind of do that you can make a little kinkier and then kind of grow from there. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of folks go into protocol trying to, like, add a ton of things and uh, add all of these, like, really intense new things, like, you know, really dirty stuff or whatever. They, I don't know. Mm. (laughs) Um, I'm, like, I'm speaking to the Fifty Shades crowd who signed up a contract for their whole new life. Um, right. That's that's what does, I'm that's what I'm talking about. It it does seem to work better in my experience <laughs> if you add them one at a time and kind of give them each a testing period because it's kind of like trying to put new stuff in your skincare routine where like if your skin starts breaking out and you've just started using five new products, you've no idea what's causing that. And in the same way like if you start getting really stressed out in your dynamic and you've just added five new protocols, it's kind of hard to pick apart and see which one is causing the tension. Yeah. And also, creating a protocol is creating a new routine in your life and a new habit. Mm-hmm. And, like, think about <laughs> think about every January and every New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. Like, picking up ten new protocols, sure, you have the NRE and you have that extra excitement but from the relationship, but it's still, how long does your New Year's resolution last? Like, can you really add <laughs> yeah. ten new things to your routine all of the time? You wouldn't do that for anything else. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when trying to decide on new protocols, a really useful thing is to brainstorm either with yourself or with a partner what gives you pleasure in a DS dynamic or in a sexual relationship and like make a list of, of things and they can be sexual or non-sexual, but like just what feels exciting or what feels validating or whatever. Cause like, I know when me and my partner were trying to come up with my iron pills protocol, we had a conversation about like what would be motivating. And since we're long distance, like a selfie from him is a big motivator for me. Um, but like these things can sort of shift depending on where you're at in a relationship and where you're at in your life more generally. Like when I first started dating my partner, we had a protocol where every time we had a phone conversation, I had to prepare three questions that were like interview questions, like philosophical questions or stuff like what's your favorite font or like what, <laughs> what, um, 
or your favorite subjects in class or just stuff like this that are sort of like getting to know you questions. And I would have to prepare three of those in case he asked me to ask them. And it was part of our like getting to know each other process. But like we stopped doing that as we like got to know each other and didn't need that anymore. But yeah, it's, it's good to like craft protocols based on where you're at. Yeah. What are some of your favorite protocols or rituals that you've had in your life? My favorite was always when I did like high protocol stuff for conferences. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, because I just enjoy higher protocol dynamics and it's not something that's easy to sustain for long periods of time, especially mm-hmm. if you don't live together. Um, yeah. Because household protocol is a lot easier to maintain or I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but within a conference, I was able to have like a lot more rules. Um, One of my favorite things my dominant at the time would have me do was give me a certain number of people to meet each day when I would go to a conference because Mm -hmm. I'm introverted but not particularly shy. Mm -hmm. I'm like down to talk to people and socialize but a lot of times I just have nothing to say to them. (laughs) So being able to go up to people Mm -hmm. and be like, hey, I have this rule, I need to meet X amount of people, they get excited. They're in on the game because (laughs) people generally like to help each other and now you've just given them a task and a scavenger hunt and they're willing to go help you introduce you to three more people uh and i was able to it kind of gave me an opener just to introduce myself to all these people and made it easier for me to do a thing i already wanted to do Mm -hmm. yeah i love that as an introvert and like a socially anxious person that sounds so much better to me than just trying to like organically meet people which can be exhausting and terrifying (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yeah, It you start the ball rolling and it does all the work for you. I would go to conferences and, like, walk past someone later in the day and they'd be like, how many people are you up to? Hang on, come on, you gotta meet my friend, come on. <laughs> it was amazing. I would, like, <laughs> we started out, I, there was a day at Dark Odyssey where I think my goal was, like, 60 people and I shot past that. Like, it was <laughs> ridiculous. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think my favorite protocol of mine currently is the one having to do with my to-do list, which is I keep my daily to-do list uh, on the weekdays in the notes app on my phone. And I have the note shared with my partner so he can check it also on his phone. And every morning on the weekdays, I go in there and I write down all the tasks that I have to do for the day in a little checklist. And my partner goes in and adds little emojis to each item just to kind of like verify that he's seen it basically, like kind of like signing off on it, but each item gets its own appropriate emoji. And then I check them off as the day goes on. And like sometimes my partner adds things like self-care things that I need to do or just like things that he thinks I should do. Or sometimes he like writes me little notes in there or whatever. And uh, we started doing that about seven months ago. Before that, I was just keeping a to-do list just for myself sporadically. And I found that I'm so much more productive since we started doing that. Like, it's really amazing. Like, it really keeps me in line and keeps me on task. And what's great about that is one of my favorite things about protocol is that it's this little, like, tether of connection with someone. Yes, yes. And you get to have that, like, all day. You're not even... Like, you may not be talking, he might be in meetings, or you're working on all of the things on your to-do list, but every time you open it up, it's, like, this little moment of, like, being in the same place, except digitally. Yeah. This is part of why I think, like, exactly, like, long distance particularly lends itself well to protocol, I think, because, I mean, also, like, living in the same place, in the same house together, like also works really well for that because you you can be so involved in the daily minutiae of each other's lives. But um, protocol gives you the ability to kind of do that in a smaller sense, even if you're long distance and to feel connected in these like mandated daily ways. And yeah, so it's been really useful for me in my relationship. In terms of like non-protocol, like just rituals, one of my favorites is that whenever my partner comes and visits me in Toronto, I've started going to the airport to get him. Because Mm -hmm. it used to be that I would, like, wait at my house for him to come to me, which would be frustrating because, like, he would arrive on the plane and then he would have to, like, go through customs and then he would have to, like, get in a cab and, like, come all the way over here. And I just was, like, really antsy and just wanted to be with him already. So I started finishing my work really early that day. I, like, wash all my sex toys. I clean my room. And then I go to the airport and I have to bring him an item, like, that he's requested, like, gum or a coffee or something. 
and I mm-hmm. have that ready for him when I am waiting in the waiting area at the airport and then I get to see him like as soon as I possibly can and it's very like romantic and I still get butterflies every single time we do it it's really cute that just kind of reminds me of how when I travel I was just talking to my roommate about this I consider traveling like it starts when I go to the airport and I mm-hmm. think of that almost similarly because when he visits you it's it's a vacation even if you're in your own city yeah exactly it's it's kind of that ritual to start like technically the vacation isn't started yet but you have all of this lead up and it's this like you know build of excitement or whatever yeah it's so cute i get on the subway and then i get on the bus and the whole time my excitement is just building and it really reminds me of like how wonderful ritual can be like it makes me think about like ancient religious rituals and stuff and how they were used in order to get into particular headspaces like gratitude and they're really useful in that way like you you can kind of like divorce them from religion and all those things that they're traditionally connected to and just figure out like how they're going to serve you personally in your life yeah one of the things I've been able to do since starting to work in an office, having, like, a regular nine-to-five, mm-hmm. um, is create so much more ritual and routine just around my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And finding the times that are, like, important and valuable for me, um, I'm able to, like, I wake up at the same time I did when I was working retail and dragging my ass into stores to, like, set them up early so before people came in. Mm-hmm. But I just, like, lay in bed and read for an hour before I do anything. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, this nice little, like, introvert window. And I have, like, a certain time where I like to be, like, done with things and home. And I mm-hmm. get to be able to, like, build this structure that is just comfortable. And I can diverge out of it when I want to go do fun stuff. But I have this, like, basis. Mm-hmm. Introvert That's life. so nice. <laughs> Yeah, and it makes it easier to get through a workday or a week or whatever because you have these little signposts to get you through. Yeah. So one of your biggest kinks is service, and there is a lot of overlap uh, between, like, protocol and service or ritual and service. I'm wondering, like, if you're, like, looking forward into your dream future DS dynamics, like, what would be some examples of, like, ways that protocol and service could intersect for you in ways that would be fun? Oof. Um, I mean, I love protocol because it gives me a million tiny opportunities to serve someone well Mm -hmm. and know exactly what it is and know exactly what the next thing I need to do for that person is. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it would definitely feature really prominently. I'd love to have stuff. I love having protocol around uh, providing food for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people have, like, complicated relationships with food, myself included. Um, <laughs> but my Tinder <laughs> bio literally says I need someone to come eat all of these baked goods I'm making. <laughs> um, I, like, I, at this point, I just offer them to, like, the homeless people of New York City while I'm walking. I just bring, like, a Tupperware with me. I have mm-hmm. so much. Um... <laughs> But because I find so much joy in baking and creating for the people I care about, uh, and I'm also just Italian, so we throw food at people we love, uh, (laughs) so I would love to have some sort of, like, protocol around that, around, like, having someone, you know, pick a different flavor or a different type of, like, challenge and have me, you know, come up with a recipe to serve to them or something along those lines. I'd love to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like stuff that would just integrate into the day-to-day things like your kind of to-do list or whatever that keeps me on track for things I'm pretty good at doing myself but just like an outside accountability buddy kind of thing yeah yeah and I would like uh I'd like to implement a lot of stuff around kink scenes in particular um I haven't played with that much but rules around interacting with them in a certain way whether it's in public or during scenes um Mm -hmm. like that specific high protocol stuff um but yeah really traditional like leather culture uh high protocol ds situations around specific scenes and around public play and around getting in and out of scenes Mm -hmm. um 
I'd love to play with that a lot more because I haven't been in, like, an established relationship enough with someone who is, like, really excited about that shit to develop things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting how our answers have some commonality but some differences because, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm I'm really interested in the kind of, like, 1950s housewife type of dynamic and mm-hmm. uh, I've never lived with a partner, so I've never had the opportunity to explore this, which honestly, like, sometimes makes me really sad. Um, but even though, like, I work and I want to have a career, like, I don't want to be a housewife in the literal sense of, like, being at home and not having a traditional job. But, like, I do really like the idea of, like, being at home and having the place looking nice for a partner who's arriving home. And also specifically a daily blowjob, like, upon them arriving home for stress relief yes. purposes. I think that that would be a really, really lovely ritual that I would appreciate. Although, like, at the same time, I also know that if I was, like, mandated to do it every day, there would definitely be days where I was like, oh, fuck this. Like, I don't really feel like doing this, which is part of why, like, you got to have, like, a little bit of flexibility, I think, in protocol and ritual because, like, moods vary. But uh, a pretty regular BJ routine would be really nice for me. Yeah, I love that idea. And even if you just had something like that they texted you on the way home or something they said when they walked in the door that like was basically like a command. I don't know, you're talking to the pup. I'm like, give me my commands. <laughs> One word. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to be well trained. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. I love cleaning as service as well. It's just, mm-hmm. it appeals to me in the same way that baking does um in that it requires just enough of my thought to keep me doing it and keep me active Mm -hmm. um without but also allows me to kind of relax into my thoughts and it's like a mindfulness thing yeah yeah i don't clean as much as i should because depression but when i do i do find it quite therapeutic to the point that, like, really, I should do it more even when I am depressed, because I think it would be helpful. It's really satisfying for me, too, because you get to watch it improve marginally as you go. Like, you get these little yeah. signposts. It's one of the things yeah. I love about baking, too. Like, even on my longest bakes, like, two days, and then I have I made a thing out of nothing, and I can <laughs> give it to someone, and they will be happy about it. Like, that's so cool! Yeah. That's the best. Alchemy. <laughs> So the listener who wrote to us to ask us to do this show, um, one of the things that they brought up in their email was ritual as a way of getting into or out of kinky head spaces, which I think is a really, really interesting notion. Because, like, sometimes you want to be in subspace or in top space, but, like, you can't quite get there for whatever reason. So I think, like, these types of rituals could be useful. But do you have any for getting in and into and out of kinky head spaces? I don't, mostly because most of my play is pickup play at like conferences and events and things mm-hmm. um it actually it might be helpful for me to establish something i do personally um at least coming out of scenes um mm-hmm. because i have like my aftercare stuff but sometimes i do feel like a little fuzzy after um just because i do most of my own aftercare i prefer yeah. to but you know um so having a more, like, structured thing that I can just do without thinking about it would probably be valuable. Um, but it's something I would love to establish with someone that I play with often. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd love to have a trigger to get into subspace. Yeah. Um, but, again, with, like, an <laughs> established partner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have, like, pretty standard stuff, like, my partner puts my collar on me um, when we're together, and that makes me feel subby, but, like, more recently, I have been noticing that smoking weed before sex is really, really helpful for me if I want to feel submissive. Uh, I mean, I I enjoy high sex in general, but it does tend to make it easier for me to feel more submissive, because I become more suggestible, and I definitely become, like, littler and gigglier and, like, easier to control. And so Mm. I have sort of, like, started to, like, link those two states in my mind to the point that, like, I got high with some friends recently, and it was actually kind of weird. I was, like, I felt like I I should be doing kink things that I wasn't, and it was sort of strange. (laughs) (laughs) I spoke to someone, a friend of mine, um, who 
as at the end of his scenes, he puts a heavy fur blanket around his submissives mm -hmm. um, as like part of an aftercare thing. And I love the idea of having something as like tactile as that. I mean, specifically that sounds fantastic, like the weight <laughs> of something when you're all subspacey. Yeah. But just in general, the idea of having something so tactile that, that you have to kind of comfort yourself as you're coming out of subspace, I think sounds really delightful. Um, mm -hmm. and that's something I've wanted to kind of incorporate into my own kink in whatever way makes yeah. sense at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know that you're interested in, like, exploring your switchiness and stuff, and I'm wondering if, like, you've ever felt the desire to assign protocol from more of a dominant role, or do you think that that's something that you would ever want to do? Oh, that is at one of the few dominant things that I'm like, yeah, absolutely, sure. <laughs> like, thousand percent. I am a loudmouthed, opinionated Virgo. I have thoughts <laughs> on how everyone should be living their lives. Uh, and I'm more than happy to share them. Mm -hmm. But, like, as a general rule, I mean, I find organization and structure very comforting for me. And service is a huge kink and love language for me. So when I care about people being able to provide for them in that kind of structured way mm -hmm. um, is one of the biggest ways I show affection. Like, I'm yeah. not great at feelings, but I can take care of you and I can do things for you. And I'll work on the feelings stuff. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely being able to... Because it would still be a service thing, right? I would be doing something for them to help better their life. I, I, that's how it would manifest for me. And that's yeah. not how it manifests for everyone. But for me, it would be, how can I help you mm -hmm. by telling you to get your shit done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that about protocol. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really have any dominant desires in particular in this way, but like I'm open to it in the future. Because I've never really had a dynamic for any substantial period of time where I was in a dominant role. So maybe I would feel those desires if I had that. But... One thing that I do is um, I am usually wearing my collar when my partner and I are together, but we occasionally switch and our official protocol is that if we are doing a scene where I am more dominant, he is supposed to take my collar off of me to kind of like symbolically denote that. But like in reality, a lot of times we forget to do that. So I'm just like dominating <laughs> him with my collar on, but it's fine. <laughs> it's a look. <laughs> It's, you're like every Dom in every CSI episode. <laughs> why does why does mainstream media think the dominance wear the collar? Like sometimes they do, but like that's not what that means. <laughs> like they just put a spiky collar and a corset on someone, and they're like, "Yeah, this bitch is in charge." <laughs> sure, maybe. That's so true. I've never even thought about that. Fuck. <laughs> bothers me every yeah. time like it's it's not obviously color like nothing is inherently dominant or submissive but come on we all <laughs> flag in a certain way yeah <laughs> okay so one area that i find really really interesting when it comes to rituals or protocols is punishment because i feel mm -hmm. like when i first got into the scene i very much thought punishment was a part of like almost everyone's ds dynamic and then i discovered that it's actually like pretty uncommon to find people in ds dynamics who do punishment in like a serious way like not like a like fun like oh you've been a bad girl like in a scene like pretending to punish each other but like actual punishment for like actual transgressions i find is really uncommon in ds dynamics what do you think about that and it's somewhat taboo, too. Like, I've talked to a lot of pretty experienced players and had them, like, either express that they never play with it or, like, caution mm -hmm. against it. Whereas for me, it's pretty important, but it needs to be done in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, because without punishment... So, when punishment uh, exists in any dynamics I have, I like it to be outlined in advance. Um, mm -hmm. So do this or, um, mm -hmm. or at least to have a general idea of what kind of things I might get punished with. Yeah. Um, 
which might even just be an established relationship where we've been doing this for a while and I know what their go-tos are. Mm-hmm. Um, but some sort of basic idea of what might happen. Because without a punishment, if I fail, I'm a failure. And, I mean, this is how it feels to me, obviously. But if I fail to do a protocol or mess up a task or make a mistake, I have failed. Mm -hmm. And that feels awful because, for me, the, like, most upsetting thing that I can do to a dominant is disappoint them. Mm -hmm. And feeling like I failed with no repercussions feels like I disappointed them. Um, If I fail and get punished, well, then we did the thing and we're all over it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and I can move on (laughs) because you got to, you know, I did whatever to make up for it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, like, closes off that cycle and those feelings for me. Yeah. Um, And it, I think also a big misconception about kink is that a punishment is a beating. Mm -hmm. And, like, maybe, but usually not, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think, I think actual punishment that is also a beating is extremely taboo in kink, um, and happens sometimes. Yeah. But generally, it's much less intimidating things. (laughs) Yeah, I've had to, like, write lines for my partner sometimes, uh, or on one occasion at least, um, when I fucked up, like, I forgot to wear my collar somewhere that I had been specifically told to wear it, and so I had to write, like, a number of, like, sentences about that and mail it to him. Um... (laughs) Usually for me, though, punishments are beatings, and we usually only use it in the way that you just described, like, as a sort of cathartic way of moving through a particular feeling, because, like, I take it very hard when I feel like I've disappointed my partner, as you said, and uh, what helps for me there is to have him, like, very explicitly say, like, before and during that scene that that's what the purpose of it is, and, like, afterward to tell me, like, very explicitly, you've forgiven, everything is okay, I love you. Um, because otherwise I'll just, like, hold on to that residual shame for so long, and it's, it's really not good. Yeah, and I think beatings are, like, generally pretty cathartic for you anyway. Right, Um, like, I, I'm crying, and so I'm getting out all those feelings, and it feels like I'm detoxifying myself in a way. Yeah, whereas for me, getting a beating is, like, taking on a challenge, or, like, going to an obstacle course, or, like, (laughs) you know, doing this endurance sport type thing. Yeah. Which does not get me through those feelings, but having to, uh, you know, I've had to write out things. Um, you know, you can have someone write out the, you know, the last thing they jerked off to, and if that's like embarrassing and scary, and you know, they have to sit down and think about what they did and think of think <laughs> about, you know, writing for you for an hour or however long it takes. Um, mm-hmm. And it's this intentional moment of like, okay, I have I have made up for it. I have done the other thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just really important to to my experience with things. Otherwise, I feel like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any experience with public rituals? Because that's another thing that this listener brought up when they emailed us about this. And public kink is like very controversial, obviously, because like there's a lot of discourse about like, are you involving spectators non-consensually in what you're doing? But I think that there are certain types of public rituals that wouldn't necessarily be clockable as kink. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, uh, I have limited experience with doing it personally because I have a lot of opinions (laughs) about that. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I think as long as other people aren't involved, it's super fun. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think kinksters and vanilla folks alike, everyone has a different opinion on what other people being involved looks like. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so I, I think there's, it's really hard to make a blatant statement on any of it. And I think there's a lot of nuance to be explored there. And I think if you're implementing a public protocol, probably talk to other kinky folks in your life. And like, if you have... Mm -hmm vanilla friends that you talk about this shit with mm-hmm. um because like i have friends who are not into this shit but like will listen to me and like they're you enjoy it but whatever um <laughs> so if you have friends like that um 
just be like, hey, what would you think if you saw something like this happening? Like, get an outside set of eyes on something before you just go out and do it. Because it... Yeah, it's really hard to tell what's gonna squick someone else, and you want to be conscientious, at least. Yeah. Yeah, my main uh, public protocols that I do with my partner are about eating and drinking, like, at restaurants and stuff, and it's typically he orders my drink, and when my drink gets there, he gets the first taste of it before I do, and same with my meal. And we like those in part because, like, they are pretty subtle. Like, it's, like, not super uncommon for someone to order for someone else at a restaurant, particularly in kind of, like, patriarchal, old-world, shitty male-female dynamics. Um, like, the, the one thing that we do get a little bit concerned about is whether people think that he's, like, a controlling <laughs> asshole. But, um, I mean, he always orders things for me that I enjoy. And so I feel like that's, like, subtle enough that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would probably... <laughs> Whenever people did stuff like that in customer service, I was always just like, oh, this dick, all right. But, like, <laughs> I, it's not... It doesn't feel like a violation, you know, in yeah. the way some other stuff does. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we got some listener questions on this topic. Um, how do you get back on track with protocol when you've recently had some conflict or some tension in your relationship? For me, honestly, one of the things I find comfortable about protocol is that it's a thing that stays the same during that kind of tension, and it's kind of a grounding thing. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't had a ton of conflict around protocol in a relationship. Um, f for me, yeah, for me, I lean more on it in times of conflict, because it, it, it's some sort of certainty, I guess, in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. Yeah. I find that if I am hesitant to get back into a protocol, that maybe the tension or the conflict isn't resolved yet. <laughs> um, like, maybe there's more shit you got to talk about. That's generally been my experience. But uh, if it is resolved, basically, but you're still having trouble getting back into it, I would think about, like, why you chose that protocol in the first place. Like, think about, like, what it is that you both get out of it. And maybe like reassess if you still want to do it like that can be a good time to kind of look at it and be like if you if you really don't want to get back into a particular protocol like why is it because of this conflict or is it because you're like actually not feeling it and this conflict brought that to the surface you know yeah on that topic do you think that with protocol it's better to just like do it until someone asks for an adjustment or do you think it's better to check in regularly about whether it's going well? I like having scheduled check-ins. Mm -hmm. um, our friend Taryn at Ace in the Hole wrote about this. Yeah. Um, and I like that idea because sitting someone down and saying, hey, I want to talk about our protocol, a lot of times can feel like, oh no, we're having a big serious conversation. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you have, so you might avoid it if, even if the protocol is mostly fine, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, your favorite sweater starts fitting a little awkwardly, but like, you're not going to do anything about it because it's still your favorite sweater and like, it's fine. Yeah. And it gradually gets more and more uncomfortable. And then you bring it up when it's an issue. Whereas having mm -hmm. this space created to have a conversation regularly i mean i find mm -hmm. it valuable in all of my relationships regardless i have a weekly meeting with my boss like having this yeah. container that you're going to talk to someone in yeah allows you to have come up with all these other conversations that you need to have um, and allows yeah. you to address the little discomforts before they become big discomforts because if you have an hour you need to fill it with something so you'll come up with shit to say <laughs> yeah i i feel the same i also like the structured check-ins it's kind of it reminds me of like when you're in a kink scene and you have the green yellow red safe word system set up and even if you're kind of at a yellow you might not always say that because you might just be having a hard time articulating things but if my partner asks me specifically what color are you at and i am at a yellow i will usually be honest about that and i might not have said anything if he hadn't asked me that so i think that the structure checking can be kind of like that yeah. 
Yeah, I've definitely, when people check in during kink scenes, I've had them, like, when someone asks me, I'm like, oh yeah, well, I've got this weird itch over here, can we, like, move for a second and, like, take care of that? I wouldn't have brought that shit up. But, like, I was thinking about it the whole time, and it was annoying the fuck out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, check-ins are very, very good. I do mine, uh, well, we're supposed to do them once a month we have been slacking lately but i think somewhere between once a week and once a month seems to be optimum as far as i'm concerned yeah i think so um do you have any tips on navigating protocol when both partners are switches honestly i don't think it's all that different from navigating protocol in any other relationship um if you break it down to you again start in the same way what will make my life better what goals do i have that someone else can help me with what am i doing on my day-to-day life that is kind of annoying and i wish was sexier like asking yourself questions like that Mm -hmm. and then figure out how to implement them with someone and figure out how to make it fit your dynamic right if you're both switches do you switch in different ways like does one of you prefer more impact and like physical topping versus, like, someone else does, you know, more protocol and nurturing stuff. Or, like, you know, what are your... Where do you use your dominance and submission differ? And how can you kind of balance that with your protocols? Because we talk a lot. We were talking about collars earlier. Uh, there are a lot of things that we assume are dominant or submissive and don't have to be. Mm-hmm. So find out what it is you want to do and then... Maybe, you know, you have that dynamic with one partner and you're always the submissive in this particular action. Or maybe today that action is dominant and tomorrow that action is submissive and it depends on your fucking mood. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's also useful to have, like, specific markers for when you're in each particular headspace so that Mm. it's clear for both of you. Like, for example, I have a protocol with my partner where when we're having sex either in person or on the phone... Um, I have to ask permission to have an orgasm, but Mm -hmm. that protocol is suspended when I'm being dominant. And there have occasionally been times where I wasn't entirely sure what we were doing. Like it was sort of nebulous. Um, And one thing that's been helpful for me with that is names, because if he's calling me little one and I'm calling him sir, like that's very much we're in my he's dominating type of headspace. We have different names for when I'm dominating and so that makes it really, really clear for us to communicate in subtle ways and without breaking role how we're feeling and what space we're in. Yeah. I actually even have one friend. So she and her partner do role plays um, that are like either she's the, the younger sister or the older sister. And when she's the older sister, she's more of a dominant character and they have specific female names that they have chosen for each of those personas and he'll call her one of those names depending on like which mood he's in and i i love that because that's such a clear way of signaling what kind of thing you want to do i love that so much and i love having such like clearly crafted erotic personalities um Yes. And having these, like, clear roles that you can step into and, like, oh, this person likes this stuff in ways that are different from this other person. Because there are Mm -hmm. parts of my kink that, like, overlap cleanly and parts that really don't. And I Mm -hmm. love the idea of kind of being able to segment that. And, like, nurture them like you're your friends. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Finally, one more question. Um, I got a listener asking, are protocols primarily meant to help subs grow or are there other kinds no we're just like that (laughs) (laughs) we do that a lot in our own life but i think we're also people who are really focused on personal development uh and build relationships with people who are also like that and i think it's Mm -hmm. a valuable thing to consider incorporated in incorporating into your protocol but i think it's a valuable thing to consider incorporating into any of your routines that you do whether it's with or without (laughs) partners um yeah there are a million other reasons to have protocol i mean i think probably the biggest one is that it's sexy and it turns people on i think really common protocol that you see in kink is just sexual stuff asking to come uh bathroom permissions for people who are into Mm -hmm. like water sports and stuff um 
so I think a lot of it is rooted in sexiness, but it could also be, you know, personal development and connection and anything else you can get out of relationships, I think you can incorporate into your protocol. Yeah, and protocols can also be for the personal development of the dom. Like, um, maybe the dom is really, really bad at taking time off work and having downtime. And so some of the protocols are like ways to help them relax. Or maybe you have a protocol where every month the dom researches something on Kink Academy and tries a new kink skill or like whatever. Like, it's really like whatever you want it to be. And you can design it to do whatever you want it to do. Yeah, or maybe... um all of I love my service stuff. Maybe the submissive learns something new and teaches the dominant every month, or mm-hmm. you know takes care of takes something off of the dominant's plate to take care of them or to support them in those ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, protocol is beautiful. Love it so much. Well, <laughs> thanks for joining us for this episode of the Dildorks. We hoped that you uh, we hope present tense that you enjoyed. it. Um, we hope too. We will probably yeah, continue we... to hope as well. <laughs> <laughs> For the rest I've of our days. I've been Kate Sloan. You can find my sex blog at girlyjuice.net and the rest of my writing at katewritesaboutsex.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where is your stuff? I'm Bex. You can find all my writing at bextalksex.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at bextalksex. Together we're the Dildorks. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Dildorks and at thedildorks.com. You can also find us by searching the Dildorks in your favorite podcast app, which is probably how you got here, but go back and then rate and review us while you're there because it makes me smile. Uh, if you want to continue to support us, you can also go to patreon.com slash thedildorks, toss a couple of bucks our way to help us keep doing what we're doing. Thanks so much to Protodome. He did our theme song, I Want You in My Bedroom. It's on his album Chip Funk, which you can find at protodome.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Amy. She did our logo. She is at starboots underscore on Twitter. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. We wasted all of those friendship moments. <laughs> well, how dare we just do things for our own enjoyment? I I wrote down friendship on the list that I keep of possible topics, and as mm-hmm. I wrote it, I was like, that would be either really bad or really good. <laughs> I, I think that's just our show. Yeah, I think true. that's just the topic of our show. Yeah. <laughs> I love how my Instagram DMs are like. Probably about 40% questions from listeners and 60% random dudes asking me for free nudes. It's great. Great. Love it. How's that different from your Twitter DMs? (laughs) Twitter DMs is a bit more broad. Like, I have, like, friends in there and I have people complimenting my writing and stuff, but Instagram is just, like, a cesspool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I love our fans. I didn't mean that they were part of the cesspool. They're standing on the edges of it. (laughs) Okay. I'm just imagining... I'm imagining... Have you been in a mosh pit? Yes. I hate it. You know the people... Okay. You know the people who stand around the outside (laughs) that create the wall between, like, the concert goers and the mosh pit? Uh That's what I'm imagining around the outside of your (laughs) Twitter DM. Or Instagram DMs. Yeah. Except they really can't That's my favorite part. Anything. That's so. my favorite part of the mosh pit is, like, being the wall and getting people in and out when they need to be in and out. You're a mosh pit daddy. <laughs> <laughs> like, occasionally. Like, I'll jump in for one or two songs and then just jump back out and, like, watch everyone. You just really like a strong boundary, you know? <laughs> I love that. the most fun part is when uh you're opening the pit for the first time so everyone pulls all the way back and you create the hole and then as like (laughs) the bass kicks in or whatever you drop your arms and everyone floods in around you it's so cool (laughs) mosh pits as a kink ritual interesting oh mosh pits are like ping all of my kink stuff yeah
the first time I was in one, like, as an adult when I, like, understood kink, because there was a minute when I, like, wasn't going to shows, and the first time I went as an adult and, like, jumped in the pit and jumped back out and went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, that makes sense. We should talk about that if we ever have my brother on again. Yeah. He has moshed many a time. I think he's also not a fan like me, though, because he's severely introverted and doesn't like people jostling him. <laughs> I'm Bex. I'm a sex blogger, a sex educator. What am I, a sex educator? Oh, fuck, let me take that again. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Fantastic. Perfect it. every time. Um, One take. <laughs> <laughs> we fucked this ritual right up. Um... <laughs> Stop laughing, I have to do it. Uh, I'm Bex, I'm a sex educator, a sex blogger. Fuck, I forgot I needed a third one. <laughs> oh. I had one and then I got so caught up in getting the first part right. Mm-hmm. Huh. Let me think about how I want to articulate this. Mm-hmm. I have some more size for you to edit out. Thoughtful size. <laughs> I love a good Bex thoughtful sigh. They really make me laugh. <laughs> Because when I ask you a question, you you just sigh as if, like, you cannot believe I asked you such a complicated (laughs) question and, like, how rude of me. (laughs) It, it, what it is, is it's such a defeated sigh. (laughs) Because I can always rely on myself to have something to say. Yes. You're very smart. You (laughs) always come up with something, but I I love the sigh. Well, no, I just, I just meant I'm a loudmouth who talks a lot. So when I, like, run out of words and have to think for a moment, it's just such a crushing blow, you know? (laughs) That's what that sigh is. It's all of the disappointment in myself. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is just all bloops. It's fine. Um, As long as it comes out to the same rough amount of time in the end, it's, it's all cool. (laughs) <laughs> I just looked at the sound lines, and when I leaned back to stretch, you can hear all the crack. You can see all the creaking <laughs> of the leather jacket behind me. It's on brand. <laughs> it's great. It's like when they used to be able to hear my collar. Uh-huh. Long time listeners remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs>